0: Welcome my friends to the Bob and Brad podcast, produced by Bob and Brad, the two most famous physical therapists on the internet, uh, in our opinion. Uh, my name is Bob, I am exactly one half of the Bob and Brad team, and I'm joined by Mike Keenitz, who is part of the Bob and Brad crew, and has a channel in their own right, uh, which covers Bob and Brad products and other products. Yep. For review so it is our extreme pleasure today to be uh this is really going to be part of our expert series where yeah. we're interviewing people that are experts in their field and today we it is a great pleasure to have dr deb or deborah rick did i say that uh, correct rick soul
1: it's, uh, it's rizzo like ritz cracker
0: oh ritz oh, okay <laughs> dr deb
1: <laughs> dr deb oh.
0: Yeah, Dr. Deb, if you'd maybe give just a little bit of your your background so people can know who you are in case they aren't familiar with you.
1: Sure. I am a physical therapist and I've been a practicing physical therapist for, I hate to say this, but like I know, four decades. So uh, I worked for over 30 years at, a Metro, at Metro Health Hospital, which is a county hospital and got an incredible amount of breadth of experience working there and focused in the last decade (laughs) on uh, orthopedics and developed a method that um, is kind of the thrust of what my work is now, uh, helping women with uh, pelvic girdle and sacroiliac um, issues. So that's kind of plus, oh, plus (laughs) um, in the, 90s and the 80s when people really weren't doing it i had a business with with teaching prenatal and postpartum exercise classes in the community um, and i partnered with a couple other therapists and so that was really fun and i got to do a lot of program development and actually teaching the exercise classes so i have a long history of being involved with women's health is specifically the prenatal and postpartum population, but women's health in general.
0: Awesome. So. awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm going to just mention you have two books. Do you
1: have more than that? Or do I, I'm familiar? No, I don't. I started writing when I retired. That's why I retired when I did so that I could actually, you know, continue my journey.
0: I've read both of them, believe it or not. And they are excellent books. They're really written for the layperson, although um, the professional would get something out of it too, believe me. And, uh, the first one is called, uh, sacred iliac pain. That was your first book that, uh, and understanding the pelvic girdle musculoskeletal method. And the second one is back and pelvic girdle pain in pregnancy and postpartum find relief using the pelvic girdle musculoskeletal method. Now these are both on Amazon, correct? And OPTP and yes, so awesome, put those back there. So, um, well, we thought today we'd start off with the, uh, we're gonna talk about the sacroiliac pain issues. So I've, I've got some questions that I've come up with. We got some questions that were pulled off from the uh, internet as far as, was it Facebook?
1: Yep, Facebook you... and YouTube, we pulled some questions from. Sure,
0: so um, do, do you want to describe what sacroiliac pain is? I do have a skeleton here It'll be you want I do have a, um, so basic.
1: So sacroiliac, so yeah, you can point to where the sacro- sure. sacroiliac joint is.
0: Here's a and here's the sacroiliac joint.
1: The joint, right. Okay. So like if you put your hands on your waist and your thumbs are in the back, your thumbs were gonna go kind of right in the area where the sacroiliac joint is. When, we, when you have sacroiliac pain, you can think of it as either being localized like right to that area, but you can also have pain that travels. So you can have pain that travels into the buttock, into the thigh, sometimes even down the leg. And that's why it's confusing because it can get uh, misdiagnosed right. as pain coming from the spine when right. it's not. So that's Generally,
0: how- You would agree that the pain will not travel below the knee? Uh, is that or you know that
1: used to be the thinking but there has been research that has shown that it can go past the knee oh
0: no kidding so now it makes it even tougher yet it makes it even more
1: confusing right yes
0: right so um what do you normally use as your assessment tools uh or assessment i i guess what what do you use to assess si pain
1: well, it's a combination of a lot of things to pull in to make the picture. So I look at the mechanism of injury, like when did it start? Because sure. you know, yep. a lot of times sacroiliac pain is either a trauma. So someone has fallen, they were in a car accident and they have had their foot on the brake and they had that-
0: That jar, uh, yeah. That
1: jar, or they stepped into a hole, fell down yep. the stairs. So some type of trauma if they're pregnant or postpartum, because we know the incidence is higher with pregnancy and postpartum. And then again, did they have this before they were pregnant? Sure. So so you kind of have to tease that out. And and, uh, any other, what therapists call comorbidities. So what else is going on medically with them? What other surgeries have they had? So issues like that. And so we put it all together, I put it all together in a picture. And then of course, you have to clinically, either clinically look at them or virtually. Sure. And put the pieces and parts together. So if I was with somebody, I would palpate them to see where they were tender. But if I'm not, I can have them palpate themselves to see where they're tender. And then of course, have them move and see where they're limited in their movements and putting that all together, as well as looking at their pain and the cycles of the pain. So whether the pain is like constant, not relenting, never goes away. I mean, some of these are what we call as therapists, red flags versus it gets better, it gets worse, it gets worse with activity, kind of putting all these pieces together as well as any imaging that they may have had done and then coming up with a what, what therapists call as a, a diagnosis, a physical therapy diagnosis.
0: Doctor Deb, do you do uh, compression tests and uh, distraction tests, or is and uh, I believe it was it's called Fortin's sign, where you take your finger and point. I your- love
1: Fortin's sign. Okay, yes, I love that. So Fortin was one of the researchers actually that that uh, his work showed that the pain can go down past the knee.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. And
1: that was actually. I think in 2009, so, and the Fortin's uh, test, or if you wanna call it a test is like what you said, you take one finger and then you ask the person where their pain is, most of their pain. And I use that all the time, like even for the shoulder, because then somebody will just point to one spot versus doing something like this. So if they point to an area by their sacrum, that is within um, three centimeters, three centimeters by ten centimeters in a rectangle. That's four turns area.
0: Sure, and then plus, um, if they, it's replicated, right, they can hit it and then they come back and hit it again. Is that right. sure That's part of the test or not? But so, with, with uh, SI pain, what do you think is normally going on? Is it um, laxity, tightness, weakness, or possibly all above? Um, you feel it's the joint itself or? Yes,
1: yes, 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 yes,
0: yes. yes. <laughs> now, I, I, from your book, you, you were really a big believer though that things get out of place, as they say. Um,
1: we don't have a lot of evidence to be telling people that they're out of a joint or out of alignment. Sure. We just don't, so I don't, and I used to do that.
0: You don't go down Until
1: that I really started getting into the research into the literature and looking. Uh, that we are probably doing a disservice because number one, we don't, the SI joint does not really move very much at all. It's minuscule and it's really bound down by a lot of ligaments. But what does, It's not, and it's not that it's not painful and it may feel like it's not a joint, but what often is causing it to feel like that is muscles are too tight on one side, and too loose on the other, and it's causing a pull that is pulling on the bone and causing and the tendons and causing inflammation in the area. And when something is gets inflamed, then we know inflammation causes pain.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I, so I, I believe uh, Dr. James Syriacs didn't even believe that SI was a problem because it was so such a stable joint, but. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, so this kind of answers my next question. Now, one of your first self-assessment tools you have for people is to actually palpate or feel the bony prominences. And you're to you have to get the book to, see, to have this explained better. But so the ASIS and the, or the PSSI, PSIS, <laughs> sorry, I got it. And then also in the pubic region. So I'm, I'm assuming that's that'd be muscles that are tight and have made that area tender. Am I Correct. Correct. So um, now you, you have it, if it's found on one side and not found on the other, you feel there's an imbalance in the pelvis.
1: And Correct, so-, so those bony landmarks that you just pointed to would be a sign that you are having something going on that's not normal on that side versus the other side. Just like if you had a sprained ankle and you, you were touching the bones on your ankle and the ligaments that are attaching to it, and then you could have swelling there. So it's really not any different.
0: Gotcha. So I I'm just a little confused uh, because you, you again you don't go behind the scenes and explain it as a from a therapist standpoint and for, it's for the layperson. But you have people. Your exercise number one is is if they have tenderness on one side you have them lift up one leg and you push against that leg and the other leg is kind of bridging again we have to you have to check out the book to see this but you do it on one side no matter what issue is going on right i mean yes you know, no matter what side the tenderness is on can right can you explain a little bit what what the, the, the what's going well, on
1: well that's based that's based on that our bodies are not they our bodies look symmetrical like we have two arms and two legs, you know, and everything's looks symmetrical. But on the inside, we have different weight distributions. And because of that, and really, they don't really know why, but we have certain patterns that happen in our body. Scoliosis uh, occurs, usually always with the right uh, thoracic. So the patterns that are found are Uh, why the exercise is only done on one side. And I have been using the method since 2008 and then started teaching the method in 2011. I went back to get my doctorate and I used this method that I was using in the clinic because I started getting people referring to me. Doctors were wanting their patients to be seen by me. Therapists were coming to me. I'm like, well, I think I developed something here just because of my clinical practice. And so I I wanted to, you know, I went back to school, I got into the literature and then I, you know, put published, I mean, not published, but I wrote a paper that then I started using for school that I started using as the basis uh, to develop a course that I started teaching to therapists. So that's kind of how it evolved because I was seeing so many people even, that were seen by other therapists and they the um there wasn't a cohesive approach out there everybody was doing something a little bit different and if you have a certain frame of mind that you're that you're out of alignment you have to get fixed that's very different than having some exercises at your disposal that you can have and help yourself if you run into problems and then a strengthening program to prevent you from running into problems
0: gotcha yeah thank you for explaining that um, we um, Mike we want to show the picture real quick I don't know if you can catch that so that's the exercise we are talking about um, and you know on exercise number two it seems like you're uh, is that more for the pubic ramus area or is that um, what what are you trying to so, with that do you want to show that one
1: that's- so the 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 First exercise, not everybody needs to do that has right. sacroiliac problems. So that's why I, you know, it's hard to. I don't want people to think that they should try that first exercise sure. because if they don't have those signs, at a lot, you know, then um, they still can have a sacroiliac problem. They just don't need to do that exercise.
0: And you explained that, that well. You, I mean, that exercise
1: is actually working on the component of the muscles that are tight this way. Sure. Like, if you're like this way on your body. And so then the second exercise is to address the muscles that are tight this way, gotcha. <laughs> our side muscles.
0: Gotcha. Well, so
1: that's why everyone doesn't have, that's why the method is uh, a step-by-step approach that uh, if you follow step one, step two, step three, then it, it'll be the right thing for you.
0: Gotcha. With, um, I'm sorry to keep asking you about all these, because I'm just curious from a professional standpoint. One one. This exercise too. I, I uh, that's exercise number three. Uh, your daughter is very beautiful, by the way.
1: Oh yes, she is, isn't she? Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um,
0: so that exercise. What are we? What are you trying to do, or accomplish with that exercise, or what does that accomplish? So
1: that exercise, when you're sitting tall and you have your one leg out we're sitting perched right on our our sit bones, Sure. okay? So when we're sitting, if you're sitting correctly, we're we're sitting right on our, our sit bones. So we're trapping the sacrum if we're sitting tall and not slumped. And then when we put our one leg out, we're stretching the rotators on that side, which have an intimate relationship with the workings of the pelvis. So then when we're turning, we're affecting all the small little muscles and the larger muscles and all the ligaments that are uh, in the pelvic area, the sacral area that are that may be a that may be the culprits. Gotcha. So what I have found is that when people do this, they're generally always tighter on one side versus the other.
0: Is it generally the painful side, or is it? Um... Does that? Yeah.
1: Well yes, I always have them start on the non-painful side so that they can feel what normal feels like. and then it, it's important to do uh, deep breathing with this and ju- you know just breathing because you don't want to be tense with any of these. you want because if you're tense when you're doing any of the exercises, then you're going to be preventing the natural movement that should be occurring.
0: Good. Actually, that leads me to a, another question I had is about breathing. What do you feel the role of breathing is in pain control and treatments? I mean, do you spend a, a fair amount of time on that with people or, or what are your it's thoughts? It's the number
1: one thing for, for the mind-body connection. And if people are having a disconnect there, it's gonna be really vitally important. It's gonna be more important for some people than other people who are, might be already in tune to that. But for a lot of people, especially that are in chronic pain, their pain can be dialed down quite a bit if their anxiety and their fear and some of these other things are can be dialed down. Because we have you know, two systems in our body. We have um, a fight or flight system. Oh, yeah that revs us up, and then we have the system that calms us down. Well, the breathing gets us to connect to the system that calms us down. And we all need that during the day, I think. I mean, I need that during That's- the day. You know, I have my little my little. eye uh, I wa- I watch and um, it tells been- me to stop and breathe. Oh, and sometimes I, I find myself saying, I can't, I don't have time to do this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I saying? Cause I'm right. a little bit of a type A personality. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> so I need to do deep breathing because I need to connect. And if you're in chronic pain, it's very important because we tend to tense up when we're in chronic pain or even not chronic, even just acute pain.
0: Yeah. Or just normal life. I mean. right. So it, it's been interesting. We'll have to maybe have a conversation on this sometime. So I've, I've been heavy into this breathing thing right now, and yes, he has. Yes, he has. And so um, the big thing that I, you know, I'm a mouth breather, which is kind of a negative connotation, of course, but um, it has made such a difference that I've been working on breathing through my nose, and I've seen now studies that have shown that it decreases blood pressure, which it has on mine. It decreases stress. I sleep better. It's just it's been amazing to me. I mean I it's been life life transformi- transforming <laughs> for me. So so you I don't know if you've read anything on that or not, but uh
1: absolutely. In fact, this is recent for me too. I have been starting to do my treadmill workouts with my mouth closed.
0: That's what I'm doing. Oh, really? I'm trying to and run
1: it's much harder. Yeah,
0: yeah it it's is. Much harder, it you is
1: know?
0: Oh, I, 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 that's great that you're you're in yeah. the same area.
1: But, you know, so the whole idea is that when you are under stress that you, when you're on the treadmill and that's like, like you're starting to increase your workload that you connect your mind with your breath so that you are using your diaphragm when you're breathing instead of doing all this upper chest and like that. So that if you keep your mouth closed and focus on the breathing, your body is going to metabolize, um, what it needs as far as oxygen and carbon dioxide in a more efficient way.
0: Yeah, it's it's not to be belittled. I'll tell you, yeah. um, well, the other thing where we discovered is my wife, when we we have three children and, and the first child, for some reason, we didn't buy into the breathing Lamas and stuff. And oh my God, the second time was a, such a reduction in pain and management by by just performing the breathing exercises they recommend. So,
1: and, and, and actually, unfortunately, there's a lot of, of people that don't value childbirth classes, right? And right. so they're even missing that education. So yeah, absolutely. Our lodge.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Um, I, I see you incorporate some pain neuroscience education in your book. Um, can you tell us how you approach that with your patients or, or you did with your patients or the consumer or,
1: yes. The, the concept is that, you know, we feel pain, generally acute pain by, you know, touching a stove and it, it comes up to our brain and that's, we, we feel the pain, um, but the perception of pain actually is, is is being registered in the brain. So if you are having pain for a long time, it's, it actually been proven if it's over i think it's like three months it actually gets processed in a different center in our brain it's not so much where it came in or where you know where the injury because there's different places that map out to the brain compared to on your skin so the processing occurs more in our emotional area and that's why people can have such pain with just clothing touching because it's 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 being processed in a different part of the brain. So the analogies work great here. So it would be not paying attention, not actually um, waiting for the next pain, but doing breathing and not being fearful. So the analogy that I like to use is if you were walking in your house, being relaxed and comfortable, and then you were walking in your house thinking there was an intruder in there somewhere, And you're looking behind you, and you're just like this because you're just so fearful. So people feel like there's an intruder or there's, there's, you know, something bad inside of their bodies and they're trying to run away from it. And that causes a lot more tension and stress versus knowing that the pain is there and, and just trying to uh, deep de-stress and not make it mean more than what it is.
0: Sure. That's a great example, by the way. Yeah. Uh, that works out really good. Um, uh, this is a uh, Facebook question. Uh, what's the importance of posture in helping with sacral iliac pain?
1: It's, it's got a huge role. I, I talk a lot about, uh, because people land end up doing things out of habit that they don't even realize can be feeding into the problem. For example, even, you know, the way they carry things. A lot of times women will carry like their children always on that right hip or always on that left hip. So if you keep doing things over time the same way, you're going to get tightening of certain muscles on the side you're carrying if you're shifting that hip over or even if you're just standing on one leg all the time, like people will be standing and they'll stand shifted all the way over to that right side all the time. Yep. And so that plays a significant role in what is spilling out that we're seeing.
0: And I, yeah, for me, it's, I, I tend to sit on one side. I don't know why, but I have to constantly, you know, remind myself. Sitting is huge
1: because we sit a lot
0: now, don't we? Yes, we mm-hmm. don't too much. So, yeah. All right, um, you know, I, there was one last question on the SI. Um, how do you decide if an SI belt is appropriate And is there a certain type you would recommend? That was a Facebook question too. That
1: was a mic question.
0: Oh, that was a mic question.
1: (laughs) Sacroiliac belts can be extremely helpful with this population, with with having sacroiliac pain. Uh, If you you, um, feel good when you have a, you can take a regular belt and put it on below your hip line give that compression and if that feels good when you're walking then you probably would benefit from it that's probably the easiest way I can tell you like a thicker belt like a man's belt Gotcha. down low or like those hip hugger belts that we used to wear um, you can even get a little bit of a sense if you take your hands um, put them on your hips and push you, you know put, put them this way yeah. and push into the joints while you're walking. So you're kind of pushing right in while you're walking.
0: You're pushing this way.
1: Um, now more like, hold on, let me get my pelvis. Oh, uh-huh, here we
0: go. Oh, here we go. You just got a greater, better pelvis yeah, than me.
1: Okay, so if you push in this way, your hands oh, like this, not here. Cause, Cause this might actually flare it out.
0: That might actually distract it.
1: But you need to push it in in this way
0: well now i'm embarrassed because i've been doing it wrong <laughs> no I, I have you know brian mulligan would recommend that you walk behind the patient and you know push along to see if it helps but i was well, always...
1: but i if i'm behind a patient i'll put my hands like this and push in with my thumbs if ah, want the okay. pressure going toward the joint
0: makes complete sense I yeah just, i was doing it wrong <laughs> sorry <laughs> so um, I, is there anything else you want to add about SI pain that we, you know, I know we didn't cover everything, but um, I thought that was a good introduction for everybody.
1: I teach a, uh, a full day course. Yeah, on right. and pelvic girdle pain. So, no, we didn't cover everything.
0: Oh, not even close. <laughs> right. Yeah. So thank you for your expertise on that. But
1: you're welcome. It would it be OK if we talk
0: about the pelvic girdle pain a little sure. bit? Sure. 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 OK. So, um, I saw from your book that this is really common. Um, mm-hmm. You want me to give the stats or? Sure. So um, f- during pregnancy, uh, it, up to 56 to 72% of the women can uh, can feel pelvic girdle pain. And I thought what was more distressing was that seven to 25% can have continued pain afterwards. So that yeah. that is a large part of the population that have. Yeah. So. Yes,
1: and then that affects you know it affects their quality of life.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: And it affects their relationships. It affects what they can do with their children and with yep. their husband. It affects their livelihood. Sometimes they go on disability. Uh, yep. Anxiety and uh, depression have been widely associated with chronic pain. So there's all kinds of really not good sequelae for not. Having a good treatment and kind of—that's why I do what I'm doing, sure. So that we can try to help as many uh, people as possible, specifically women, because most of the research has been done on women prenatally and postpartum for pelvic girdle pain, because that's the population that it affects the most. And I know that when I am um, treating a woman in menopause, often she has she'll tell me. Who Her first time when she had pain was during uh, her prenatal or postpartum period. And then it may go away, but then it comes back and it just really never goes away. Oh, good Lord. Because then they haven't addressed all the pieces and parts as far as their flexibility and their strength and their function and how they're moving to have it, you know, to really be gone.
0: Sure. So I know our recommendation would be to check out this book. Well, I'd say this one oh, actually, because okay, yeah, for uh, back and pelvic girdle pain in pregnancy and postpartum. Now, I think this is a great starting point. Some people will probably alleviate their pain just by doing the self treatments in here, but where would they find a, a PT, a physical therapist that uh, is expert in this area?
1: The, the American Physical Therapy Association has a uh, section called pelvic health, and so those are the therapists that are really specialized in working with areas of the pelvis and any type of pelvic p- and pelvic pain, pelvic girdle pain, and pelvic pain. So,
0: if you go to their website, are you, you can go
1: to their website? It's apta. Dot org, dot org and they have a find a, a PT. Oh, awesome! Uh, tab. I am also uh, going to be rolling out because I just launched my new website yesterday. But I'm going to be rolling out a a, a PT. Uh, section for therapists that have taken my course. Oh,
0: fantastic. So I
1: have a, you know, I have a, a one day course. I used to actually teach a two day course, but now it's a one day course and it's virtual. And I have So I'm going to be rolling out that section and I'm going to contact people that have taken my course over the years and see if they want to be on that list so that there Great. will be reference for people literally now that it's virtual, it'll be for people literally all over. So that's that's, coming. I haven't done that yet.
0: Okay. So that, yeah. And you can see her website was listed behind her, um, over her right shoulder, left shoulder, different style, you're looking at her, but okay. (laughs) So so, do you mind if I ask what kind of success rate have you had with SI and pelvic girdle pain? Um, I mean, do you have a sense of, of what, I mean, obviously you were doing quite well because people, whenever people start finding the guru and start sending people to them there's a reason i mean people are getting better so but
1: yes i would say, i mean i really as long as people are compliant that was the you know the biggest thing because sometimes is, people <laughs> so here's the thing sometimes people feel better and then they don't do the whole
0: they stop
1: package yeah. You know, so I it, I don't have a hard number for you because I haven't actually taken statistics, but the vast majority respond to this uh, this uh, treatment. I mean, I even have, there's reviews on Amazon that of uh, people that have had pain that I don't know, and I've never touched, sure. but people that have it's been practitioners or have had pain for a number of years and they are getting relief. So to me, that's why I keep going because I know that this technique, this approach, it's an approach, which is a holistic approach. Like you have to, you cannot not get that mind body connection connect with your breathing and and do all that work and just do the exercises and then be real tensed up when you're doing them and like, oh, these don't work. You know, every, it's a huge, it's a package. And then being aware of what you're doing during the day, how you're sitting, how you're carrying things. It's really the whole method is all those things and, and these it, specific exercises too.
0: Yeah, and it's very comprehensive. I mean, it goes through yeah. the pregnancy and also afterwards and, and uh, a lot of stretches. And, and I think you emphasize with the, some of the stretches towards the end of the book, you don't necessarily have to do every one, you, you, or you certainly don't even have to do it on both sides. If you find one side is tight, you might want to focus on that side and, and if uh, vice versa, so. Right.
1: And so the other thing I wanted to mention, Bob, is that these exercises are, are meant, they're meant to be simple. They're meant to be, I call them remedial. So they're, they're the first stepping stone to kind of get you going. Sure. And so they're not meant for that. You need to do these for the rest of your life. They're meant that these are to get you where you want to go, where you want to be. If you want to get back to a sport that you were doing, or if you wanted to, you know, go hiking for your exercise, that's, that's where you want to go. You want to do things that you enjoy, but you want to have, have, this is, a, these are stepping stones.
0: Gotcha. Um uh, can you talk about the importance of uh, strengthening the pelvic floor? Um, you know, it's interesting because I had read a book on with the Kegels and stuff like that, and in their approach, they were really trying to have you focus on the pelvic floor alone and not the muscles around it. And and it, it seems to be on your approach that you're you're wanting to like engage them at the same time. Am I wrong? Am
1: I? Mistaken? No, that's very that's that's a very good observation. So. The pel- uh, th- there is a place f- for just doing the pelvic floor contraction. There right. is a place for that. And that is um, when women are having more specific issues with incontinence, um, pelvic organ prolapse, which is a common condition after pregnancy and painful sex. So when you're having some of these issues, that's where the pelvic health therapist will come in and they will actually evaluate the pelvic floor and then work on you getting a control back. Because see, those those systems work automatically. Mm -hmm. And so if that automatic piece isn't working great, that's when they need to kind of work with that to try to get that, system working properly. I incorporate the pelvic floor in the exercises because they normally would come in when you exhale. So it's just kind of bringing an awareness there. But if when you are exhaling and you pull your pelvic floor in, when you're um, breathing back in, that pelvic floor should relax down. Gotcha. So okay. it should be doing this and if it's all if it's only doing this then we have a problem Houston
0: <laughs> right if it's tightened all the time yeah yeah, hypertone um, yeah and that's exactly what you said It was the case where they were it was for people that were having trouble with with, with you know bladder problems or and, and such it wasn't other issues it wasn't pain uh, except like you said maybe with sex but um, so thank you for clarifying that um, wh- when do you, um, recommend the use of compression? This is a Facebook question. Was it yours? No, it's mine. <laughs> Your question? Those are all my questions. Oh, when would you recommend compression pants or maybe even the uh, like maternity support?
1: I think that maternity supports will probably make most women feel more comfortable in that last trimester. Specifically, if someone's walking around and they're always holding their belly, yeah, I, have, I don't know if you've been around many people. Yeah, I've seen that. Women hold their belly. It, they for sure, <laughs> that's sure. a sign because the abdominals are so stretched. They can only stretch so much and that just that little bit of support helps. So in that last trimester, I think a lot of women would benefit, you know, financially it's an issue because they're not, you know, it would just be something else. Uh, to do. But if you find that you're holding yourself like that, you're holding your belly a lot, you would benefit from a maternity support. And I know that uh, some women would also benefit from the sacroiliac belt, just because the joints are just getting looser and that, that compression. Now, I didn't say this before. So I, I'm, I'm glad I had this opportunity because i kind of, anyway, so if you put on a sacroiliac belt, and it makes you feel worse, it's very good chance that you need to do the pelvic balancing exercises that I prescribe and get that balanced and then put it back on. And then it, that works nine out of 10 times. I haven't really seen that not work.
0: It makes complete sense. Yeah. Is there a time when compression pants are, are appropriate or?
1: Oh yeah. A lot, a lot of women find a, a lot of support postpartum as well. To, to having a compression pant. Um, there's, there is a compression pant out there that uh, has a sacroiliac um, reinforced area around the sacroiliac area and that, that is um, Supacore and they're based out of Australia. And the reason I know is because they had contacted me to, to work with them mm-hmm. and then the pandemic hit. So they are looking to come into the United States and, and have a distributor and things like that. But you can, they are advertising in, on Facebook and social media, I've seen their ads, but the product would actually be shipped from Australia.
0: Gotcha. Called gotcha. oh, Supercore,
1: yeah.
0: Um, is this your, is this probably two They're all mine. All right. <laughs> How important is diet when it comes to pain management?
1: Well, you know that what we eat can influence inflammation. Right. There is actually called an anti-inflammatory diet, and you can find information on this diet on the arthritis foundation website. It's also known as a Mediterranean diet. So if we're eating a diet that causes more inflammation, then it, we're we're setting ourselves up for having more inflammation. Right. And that's why you take medication, some people take medication is for that anti-inflammatory effect. And so if you can, you know, diet's important. Gotcha. That's your question.
0: Really anti-inflammatory type type. type. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. So,
0: a lot of plant-based, quite often, Mike. Well, It doesn't <laughs> cause inflammation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, um, I again, we just kind of, at the tip of the iceberg there, maybe on pelvic girdle pain. And you're gonna do a lot better if you check out the book. Yeah. Um, again, back and pelvic girdle pain in pregnancy and postpartum by Dr. Deb Deborah Rix Rigzal. Riggsall. Ritzel. Rizzo, Yeah, there we go. You also did a write-up on our blog. Too. Oh, yeah. If, Thank you very much for doing that, yeah. by the way. If people just want to see a little short excerpt of a lot of these things, it's on there, too, before they buy the book. Like, they could check that out as well. Yeah, we'll you put know, a link for that.
1: And I, and I should have mentioned earlier that OPTP is um, running a 20% discount on the book. Oh, great. Um, to help me celebrate my new website. So you just would go to my website and there'll be a banner at the top saying 20% off and then you'll get a code. I'll send you a code and they, um, you can get it for 20% off through the end of March and then the sale goes away. And it's not an expensive book. It really no, it's
0: easy. not. In fact, I don't, know, I don't know if you knew this Deb, uh, Dr. Deb, the way I found out about you is, uh, you know, we have some products through OPTP too. And uh, uh, the, their president had told me, or CEO, had told me that she that she put your, they did an email blast of your first book, the SI book, that uh-huh. it was the best response they've ever had to a book. Um, really? Yeah, I don't, she maybe didn't tell you that, huh? No. <laughs> yeah, it was I'm like, well, I want that book then. So. <laughs> That's when they sent it to me. and, and uh, These are nice for your average consumer, too, I'd say. Because, I mean, this book, it's 36 pages. I mean, right. it's not like a heavy, dense textbook. I mean, your pregnancy one's more, it's like it's 100 pages. It's more comprehensive, yeah. A little more comprehensive. But, I mean, it's very easy reading, and there's lots of diagrams of how to do everything properly. So... All right. And again, I don't know if there's anything you want to add. I'm sure this is, again, part of the long course that you were doing, but I would like to just take maybe five minutes to go over. These are going to be questions more geared towards a physical therapist that would want to hear the answers. Would that be all right, Dr. Sure. Okay. So, um, did you have mentors? Do you have work that you follow? Who influenced you in your area of expertise?
1: Well, I, when I was working at Metro, I was taken under, I was always going to the same therapist to kind of pick his brain regarding muscle energy techniques. Sure. And his name is Tom Oakler, and he actually teaches his techniques uh, that are based all on muscle energy. So he was really... Uh, my, my mentor, I had taken a lot of continuing education courses over the years, you know, we need to take them for our, our license. Yes, and I was always taking them in the manual therapy. I was wearing that label and women's health. So there were a lot of gurus that had been teaching uh, at, that, at that time. Elizabeth Noble was one of them who was really big in the prenatal and the postpartum exercises. So,
0: uh, yeah, that's good. Um, I'm gonna, this one's going to be a little bit of a curveball. What what are some of the bad recommendations you hear in your profession or, or area of expertise? Are there any that stick out?
1: Bad recommendations. Yeah, as like
0: what well, uh, if you see other therapists uh, recommending something to like uh, women with post I mean with uh, uh, girdle pain and uh, also uh, pelvic girdle pain or also SI? Is there bad recommendations that you see that you, oh. well,
1: I think that, and this is something that I had to break myself of, that we're teaching people that, we, when we talked about this earlier, that they can be out of alignment and right. that they need to be corrected. And people have that mentation as far as going to chiropractor, yes. that they need to be adjusted. And- Yep my mind if you are going to the same person for years and getting the same thing we got to do something different right i've had people come to me who this one woman not that long ago she was telling me how she went through three different therapists that either moved or retired and she was devastated because she couldn't go back and get her thing her adjustment yeah so I, that's what I think
0: uh, as a profession, we right. need
1: to give people tools and to empower them to be in charge of their kingdom.
0: Gotcha. Their I, kingdom. I, I couldn't agree with you more. We're creating dependent you know, patients. And be
1: right. advocates for themselves yep. when they are dealing with a healthcare provider to do some homework and to make sure you're doing homework in the right places, not just anywhere on the internet. That's a problem, right. too.
0: Yep. So you mentioned the muscle
1: energy. Did you try any other approaches before you came upon your method? I was very, very good with muscle energy. Oh, you were? I was. I was hands-on. I was putting people in those pretzel positions, having <laughs> them do this with a pound of pressure and move it down and move it up. I did a lot of strain, counter strain. I did a lot of stuff as far as manual therapy. And what was happening was that where I worked was a very fast-paced clinic and And, you know, I, I started streamlining the process and then it just kind of, you know, I was really, you know, you learn from each patient that you see. And if you really think about what you're doing and critically look at somebody 3d so that you can see the muscles and the joints, and then you, you know, you're, you're like, you're starting to like get a different picture. If you just are looking through that lens, I think. Yeah. And, and your it, practice evolves. You practice differently now than you did five years ago, hopefully.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Shiax, again, going back to him, he was he was a big believer in that, that you're constantly reassessing and don't be afraid to, you know, the, the standards that you're afraid to go against them. Um, and, and that was one of my questions. I mean, your creative process for developing new ideas. And, and it sounds like you kind of explained that. that and you, the
1: other thing is that I really use the patient. How does that feel? Does this feel tighter? Does this feel, how did that exercise feel? I wanna know because they're, they're the best thing for to, feedback to me is to have that dialogue because I might think that that range of motion looks fine but if they're telling me it's tight, I'm like, I'm not gonna you know, judge my eyeballs versus what it feels like to them. No. That's, more, that's more the real deal.
0: Yeah, that's a uh, sign of a very good clinician. <laughs> so um, now we're going to have ways for people to contact you. Um, and you, you said you are still doing continued education courses uh, for therapy. Yes.
1: yes, I have a course coming up um, March. I want to say it's March 16th. It's listed on the American uh, APTAPelvicHealth.org website under their continuing education. And it'll be it'll be on my website too. The link to the courses that I teach are on my website under professionals. Sure. And yeah. I also do I do uh, shorter courses with motivations, motivations, uh, CEU.
0: Oh yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, I do um, a, a shorter uh, course for them, and and will be there's a course coming up in April with for them.
0: In some sense, the oh
1: and and
0: oh go ahead. And
1: I'm rolling out uh, a twelve series course with physiopedia
0: oh nice nice
1: yeah and that's all on pelvic girdle and sacroiliac pain that those are those are 12 12 uh different courses
0: well the only good thing about COVID and if there's anything good it was you know that you don't have to trial as much now I'm sure yeah. it's all virtual and and uh and more people have access to you then for that reason
1: right so
0: um, I'll I'll just finish with this. Um, do you have anything new coming up? Are you exploring any new areas or any new theories, or are you pretty happy with where you're at? And-
1: so my my mission is to get this information out on, on as many platforms as possible, and I really appreciate this opportunity because I know you oh, an incredible incredible platform, and so you know that's 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 what I want to do. And that's why I redid my website because I'm gonna be putting things on there that hopefully can help women, um, especially women, just because this is where this occurs. Although I've treated plenty of men and it, it, the, it does work with men also. But my, my new thing, if you wanna know, is I'm, I'm gonna to try to be partnering, I'm gonna be partnering with nonprofits that service women that may not have access to physical therapy And um, and that may not be the focus of what that nonprofit is for. Sure, the nonprofit might be more concerned about you know other social things that are important for this person, and not necessarily these issues which they may be dealing with.
0: But that that overflows to everything else, like you said. Right, right. So
1: I'm I'm going to try to make this a platform for outreach and to be inclusive.
0: Well. Thanks again for all the information. Uh, again, one more time, please check out the books. Uh, we'll have them linked below. Um, excellent books. Um, thank you so much for taking the time and I'm, I'm hoping we can maybe do something like this again. So I would love to. All right, thanks, Dr. Deb.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike and Pat.